Uh, I, I want to I dive right in to what we're talking about today into our series. Um, I, think, I think this series is hitting a nerve a little bit with people because if you're new, what we've been talking about, we've got this series that we just call Custom Made. And uh, when we say series, it's just we do a, a certain theme for a few weeks around here. And so this is the third week that we've been talking about this concept of custom made. And the idea is that God has custom made you, that God like crafted you, that you're, you're God's poem is, is what we used in the first week. It's this crazy language in the Bible that your masterpiece, is a, the word for it was poem. That God made you for a purpose. And actually, the first important purpose, this is all where it starts right here. It all starts with God made you actually be in a relationship, like God loves you. God, God rescued us. Anyone who says, I believe in Jesus, God, God's rescuing you when we kind of turn our back on God. Um, man, uh, I might be using that mic here in a second. Um, God, God rescues us and loves us. That's, that's, the, that's the core of what it means to be custom made, that we have a relationship. It's not... Uh, it's not just duty and obligation. Ugh. It's actually a relationship. That's, that's what we come together for every week. That's what you're always going to hear in this place is the love that we have for God, the love God has for us, and we do our best to follow him. But we're, but we're also custom made for something else. We talked about that first week, how there's a book called Ephesians in the Bible where it, it, um, it says something along the lines of the idea that God Long before you were born, long, you know, before you had any concept of even who God was, God picked out in advance good things for us to do. Every person in this room is custom made not just to love God, but to actually be a tool in God's hand to do something in the world. And so part of what we've been trying to do these few weeks is figure out, well, if, I'm a, if, I'm, if God's going to use me, I'm a tool in God's hand, what tool am I? And what could keep me? from being used by God. So today, what we want to do is we're going to drill down even a little bit deeper. And if you're new, it, you're going to catch right up. Because what we're going to do is we're going to get you thinking about how you're gifted, more specifically than even we did last week. But God has given you a gift. Do you know what it is? And do you know what you're called to do with it? And today we're going to dive into that and we're going to see, we're going to think about what are ways that maybe we could somehow end up not using our gift? So my first experience serving in ministry was not a good one. Uh, actually, so for me, I kind of decided that Jesus was real and that I wanted to follow him when I was a senior in high school. Uh, before that, I kind of had an image of the church like a lot of people do, that it was kind of a rules thing. And I didn't need necessarily to feel like I needed a church to tell me, you know, how to arrange my ethics. And so, but, but Jesus was different. I, man, I, the first time I ever really started to read about Jesus, I, my mind was blown. Like, this guy's awesome. And, and so my senior year, I decided, I think this is actually who he says he is. I think this is God in the flesh. And, and I decided to follow him. And so I went off the best I could. I was 17 years old, you know doing as best I could to follow God. Somebody took interest in me. Somebody saw some gifts in me and said, you know what, I think Jim might actually have some gifts that 
could be used. And it was a guy who's here local that didn't, um, wasn't a part of a church of any kind. It was a, a ministry to high schoolers. And he started inviting me in and started kind of saying, Jim, would you do this? Would you do that? And so I, it was fun. I started loving it, like kind of starting to do stuff. And, uh, but what was really cool, what I loved most of all, is that he actually started taking me to lunch. He, um, free food. I mean, come on. I love that. Now, not only just when I was 17, now. And, and so, I, but, I, but yeah, you know what I remember thinking? I remember thinking, he doesn't just like me because I'm doing something for him. He just likes me. And by the way, um, the number one thing I think uh, that I would throw out there of, for teenagers is when you're a teenager, you are constantly suspicious, at least I was, suspicious of adults and their agendas. So if you think about uh, the, teen, the adults that are in teenagers' lives, most of them have an agenda for them. It's very few adults that actually just love a teenager, love you know, a high schooler or a middle schooler just because they just love them. Usually it's they want them to perform in a certain way, get certain grades, whatever it is. And trust me, when you're 17, when you're 15, whatever, you realize this. You know it. You can smell agenda. And so for me, I, but I didn't smell it. I thought with this guy, he just genuinely liked me. So one day he comes to me and he says, he, he, he offered me kind of a role in the ministry that was really expanded. Took, would take a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of effort. And I, man, I wanted to, but I also played a ton of baseball. And I spent more time on a baseball diamond. I mean, I, and I loved it, still do. And I remember saying to him, I, gosh, thank you. I just can't do it because I'm playing baseball. You know when I said no, that guy never talked to me again. He never called me, never took me out to lunch, none of that. I, I went from this thing of thinking, gosh, this guy really likes me, to realizing I was just being used. And when I wasn't useful anymore, I'm guessing there are people in this room who have had something similar happen. I'm guessing that there's people in this room who at one point you, you dived into being used in your giftedness and something happened that, that changed it all for you and changed it all perhaps in a negative way. Uh, a lot of you guys who are smarter than me would obviously, I'm guessing, talk about this in some capacity, maybe in your work, that kind of thing. This, this you might recognize is just the classic bell-shaped curve, you know? You, you can talk about a lot of products this way, things in business, like organizations. Shoot. You know, this is great because I've been lifting a little bit, so it's just going to help me because I can do this. Actually, all the cool pastors are doing this now, so this is good. Um, so this, this is the bell-shaped curve, and, and basically, you look at this, you, you can tell, like, uh, Kodak film, right? Kodak film has this great heyday. It gets to its peak. Uh, the iPhone comes out, or actually it was long before that, and what happens? It dies because they don't adapt, and down it goes. It's done. Who, who, I mean, anybody who's under the age of 18 probably has never seen film before. Uh, and it's, it's the bell-shaped curve. 
It's the thing that we start out with and things get going and it has a big increase fast. It gets to its peak and then something happens and it declines. And for me, I started out fast, excited. Oh my gosh, I love this Jesus. I'm, I'm actually using my gifts. And I got to this point and I realized somebody was trying to use me. And what happens is we face things at the top of the curve that ends us going down a slide. What I want to figure out today with us is, how do we avoid this? How do we understand our giftedness enough where we end up not going down? There's a, there's a pastor that I really like uh, who he says, when you're talking to people, make sure that you give them a memorable phrase that they will leave with. So I'm trying that today, okay? Here, here's what we want to do. We do not want to ride the slide. <laughs> Don't ride the slide, okay? Shoots and ladders, guys. You've played it. You get all the way to the top. You know there's that one ladder where you go from like the eight level down to the two level. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. Has anybody not played shoots and ladders? We want to avoid riding that slide down. How do we do that? Man, you know what? You know you're on the slide when you use these three words. I used to. Man, yeah, I was part of a church. I used to serve with children's or, ah, yeah, I, I used to be an elder. I used to help out you know, with greeters, or I used to make food for people that needed it on a meal train. I used to. I used to do that before I got too old. Now it's somebody else's turn. I used to are the words that tell you you're on a slide. The truth is sometimes we got to recover from a major pain or wound. Okay? I know that we have that. But we don't want to say these words forever. I guarantee you God's working overtime to get rid of these three words from our vocabulary. Here's what I'm going to do. I think there's a few things that we face at the top here that we want to point out, and we want to say, how do we avoid these? And, of course, the Scripture, you guys, is just brilliant on this kind of stuff. The Scripture is always the source that we want to uh, turn to and say, teach us, because our little brains aren't, aren't big enough to figure this out. And so the Bible has so much to say about this. And so for the last two weeks, we were looking at a book called Ephesians that uh, has so much to say about giftedness and uh, how God wants to use the church. And the other spot, there's another spot that's just brilliant on giftedness. And I hope you'll read it all. It's, um, there is a book called 1 Corinthians. And if you're new to the Bible, there was a guy named Paul who wrote a letter to a church in a town called Corinth. So on the Mediterranean, and he wrote this letter to the church, and part of the problem was the people in the church were actually kind of arguing over who was gifted more or who had better gifts, right? And, and it might sound silly, but oh gosh, you don't think that still happens? And so this is so applicable to us today. And so Paul writes this letter to the Corinthians, and, and chapters 12 through 14 of that letter are fantastic for this understanding of our gifts. So, so let, me, let me start, and I'll read you to you, and we're going to stop, and I'll show you some of the ways we can end up riding the slide if we're not careful. Okay, so this is uh, 1 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 12. It says, 
the human body has many parts. And by the way, this is the analogy we used last week too. Paul's using it here. He's saying that the body of Christ, that the church is like a physical body. It has many parts. It's lots of different things to it. But the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Whenever you hear that phrase, they're talking about the church. Okay, we're, we're not just a little group that meets together in an old Sam's Club. We're actually the body of Christ. We're, the, we're Christ's body here on earth that's, that's doing things for him and loving him, knowing him. What a, what a crazy phrase. That's amazing that we would be assigned that title. Some of us are Jews. So Paul's saying, some of, us, some of us were Jews that now have come to believe in Jesus. Some of us are Jews. Some are Gentiles. That word just means anybody else who wasn't a Jew. And by the way, back then, if you weren't a Jew, the belief was that you didn't have access to God. And Jesus changed all that. And so now he's saying some of us are Jews who've come to believe in Jesus. Some of us are Gentiles. You're just whatever. Some are slaves who back then had no rights, were just bartered. And some are free, the exact opposite. Do you see the diversity there? He's taken polar opposites. Some are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free. These are totally different. And now look what he's going to say about this, right? In the midst of all this diversity he's talking about, he says, but we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit. And we all share the same spirit. This is radical stuff, what Paul's saying in just this little line. And let's put it this way. You look at the world today, you, you read the news, you get online. Would you say that the world is becoming more unified right now or more polarized? Oh, come on. I look around and it's just like it's, it's getting more polarized from, uh, nationally. It's getting more polarized uh, politically. It's getting more polarized from an ideology standpoint. It's getting more polarized from how we treat each other. And Paul's making the statement here that even though there's all this increased diversity and human nature is to polarize, Paul's saying it should be exactly different in the church. The exact opposite ought to happen in the church. That the diversity that we have in here of how people are gifted ought to actually unify us. Guys, this is why some of us have fallen off the slide. Is because you've been a part of a church in the, in the past where you have seen how it wasn't unified and instead became political or backstabbing or angry. It's so funny, our staff, we talk about you guys a lot, right? Because um, we love you guys. And so we, we've noticed a theme at Ascent that there's a lot of people that ha are at Ascent who have had a negative church experience in the past. It's just, there's no doubt about it. A lot of us have had a negative church experience in the past. We've, we've seen some sort of fighting. We've seen something of dissension. And it has caused us, maybe we were just thrilled about ministry at one time. And now, because of the dissension we've seen, we find ourselves saying, I used to. I used to. And we've ridden the slide down because we've been so disenchanted by stuff. You guys, and it, 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 of course we should be. I was once in a church fight for a while over whether the church was going to serve caffeinated or decaf. I'm telling you, it's incredible the stuff that churches will argue about. Churches will argue about the clothes that they wear. People, I, I mean, 
It, it's mind-numbing. I, I can literally, for some of the things, and I'm sure we could tell some stories in this room, for those of you who have been a part of the church for a while, I can literally, when I think of some of them, I can close my eyes and I can just picture Jesus yawning. Like, oh my gosh, come on, rolling his eyes. When you, when you look around in the world and think how many people there are that don't have a sense of who Jesus is, and we're fighting over decaf? Or, or there's kids that can't read? Or there's single moms who need help putting something together in their home? Man, I, I just got to tell you, we're just not up for the little cheesy arguments as a church. One of the hallmarks of this place, and I'll just tell you, being five years in, Bill and I have like systematically tried to root out anything that would help uh, steer us away from the mission. Man, the mission has got to be to reach people in this town. Mission has got to be to bless people. Mission's got to be so that people here would just cry and weep if we ever left. There's no time to argue over stupid stuff. Some of us have been a part of that and seen that, and it has caused us to jump on the slide. Man, I got to just tell you guys, I'm so grateful for you. This church, I know there's been some hard things that have happened in the past here. Maybe you had stuff that's, that's not silly. You've been a part of a real legitimate, hard church. Back. Maybe somebody, you know, you were told since you're a woman, you can't lead. Or there was some kind of theological argument that was actually, you know, a big deal. But it's caused us to get on the slide and go downhill. But the beauty thing about this church, the thing I love about Ascent is... Uh, the spirit hasn't changed here because of that. And when people ask me about what I love about Ascent, I always tell them, what I love about Ascent is I actually think we might be the most non-grouchy church in America. We're just not grouchy. There's not grouchy people around here. I love that. Thank you. Yeah. But I also know that this vocabulary is in this room a lot. And that maybe we've gone... Here, we've seen the hard things, and I, like I said, sometimes we have to recover from those. But would you be open maybe to the Spirit of God nudging in you when it's time to avoid the slide? All right, let's keep going. I want you to see this next part. Uh, this is, I believe, verse 14. It says, yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand... That does not make it any less a part of the body. Can you imagine? No. If the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? No. If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? And you've got to have different parts. And you've got to honor those parts that are less visible and seemingly less important. And we'll get to that in a second. This one's kind of personal for me. So for me, as best I can tell, right, as best I can tell, for now anyway, I feel like my giftedness is to help lead a church. And that can be pretty public. It involves standing up in front of a lot of people a lot of times. It involves, you know, seeing is the church doing well, is the church not doing well. I get a lot of feedback one way or the other. If things are going great, there's lots of great feedback. Things aren't going well. It's just the opposite. But, but the gift is very visible. What I do is visible. It's not that way for my wife, Karen. 
so when you came in, you should have got a little sheet there, a little bulletin. Uh, on the back of that, we put down all the different kinds of gifts. I'm going to talk about it in a second. For Karen, her gift is helps. She just loves to do things behind the scene and help. For years, she wondered if it meant anything. For years, she wondered, does my gift matter at all? It's not visible. Nobody knows what I'm doing. Jim gets all the accolade, but I don't. Because you do that, you, you married to me for 20 years like that, that starts to play on you. And it wasn't until a good friend of ours who knows this stuff like you can't believe really helped us understand it that we both were like, oh my gosh, yes, it's so critical. Guys, if you feel like you have a gift that doesn't get celebrated, this is huge for us to know. You can end up going up this ladder here or you end up not even using that gift because you don't think it's important. And so you never even get on the bell curve in the first place. Or you start to use it and there's not enough um, affirmation in it because it's so behind the scenes that you end up just going, ah, that must not have been it. I'm done. Can I give you an example? Like, um, so we think what happens in this room is important. You know that we actually think what happens outside this room is equally as important. Like when the service ends and there's food out there, we, we don't just provide food every week because you guys all look hungry. Um, we, there, this is going to blow your mind. We actually have a strategy. Like, we, we want you to stay. We think that if you stay, that means you're going to build relationships with other people. And relationships are so important for us growing in our faith. So what happens outside this room is critical. That's why we've got bouncy houses down the hall. It's not just because. It's because we know that your kids will want to stay. And if your kids want to stay, that generally means you probably should. And, you, and you're going to get to know some people that way. That's why we put the game on TV and the food. That's, that's what that whole thing is. Did you know that when everybody leaves here, there's a woman named Sheila who, with another group of people, goes back there, and she's often here till 1230 or 1, just grinding away on the dishes that we all made? It wouldn't happen without her. Like that key part of the vision of the church would not happen if Sheila weren't back there doing those dishes. You know what I want to do? I was thinking about the bulletin. When you walk in here, it's so funny. I've never realized, I was thinking about this morning. You walk in and it says the date and it says who's speaking that morning. You know what we should start doing next week? Like we should have um, who's doing dishes that morning on the bulletin. It's so key to the vision of the church, yeah. Guys, if you feel like you haven't been honored on a gift that is maybe under the radar, this passage is so important for us to remember. It is so key. It is so key. I'll I'll shout out one more person, Chris, who's back there on the camera. Chris, raise your hand. See, that's Chris right there. Talk about a thankless job. If you miss a weekend because you're out of town or something, you want to go back and watch one of the messages, you're not seeing that because I'm back there running the camera. Chris, that's Chris. Man, and yeah. It takes every single kind of person to help that grow. And by the way, we need more people doing what Chris is doing, so go talk to Tyler. Um, 
Guys, those gifts are so key. Don't fall off, the, don't ride the slide because you have a devalued gift. We never want to see that happen. All right, next part. But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. It's not a mistake. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yeah, that'd be weird. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. What I want you guys to do, I hope this will be some of maybe homework or whatever. Maybe you've already done it. On the back of the program, we've listed a bunch of gifts. So we've drilled down deeper than we did last week, and we're looking how God uh, gifts people. And by the way, there's not a definitive list in the Bible. You can't go in the Bible and say, oh, well, here's where they talk about all the ways that God gifts. It's all over the place. We're kind of drawing together different things, and it's on the back there. What I want you to do is I want you to look at that, and I want you to circle maybe, oh, this is where I'm gifted. This is, you know, put an X through the ones where you're sure you're not. It's really important to identify the ones that you're not gifted in. But look that over and, and, and have a conversation with God. How might God be wanting to use you with your giftedness? And by the way, that doesn't mean necessarily here at the church. We're not conceited enough to think that all ministry happens because of assent in our church. No, it happens in your neighborhood. It happens at your work. How's God going to use that gift in some avenue of your life on the team that you play on? That's what we're looking for is the creativity that says, I understand how I'm gifted and I know how to put that in motion somewhere in your life. I'll make you a deal too. If you want to have more conversation about this, you can go onto our church website. You can email me, just jim at ascentcc.org. It's easy to find. And I would love either me or somebody, we got some other folks who know a lot more about this than I do, would love to get into a dialogue with you about how are you gifted. If there's any confusion, if you're wondering, right, this is not easy to figure out. We'd love to walk alongside you with that. Okay, last part of the passage. Let me read it to you. It says, in fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen while the more honorable parts do not require the special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. You notice he used the word care in there, I don't know, four or five times. Because part of the reason why we end up going up this thing and falling off the cliff is a lack of care. And that can happen with personal care. Next week, we're actually going to tackle that on what is the single most important thing that will have you ride the slide if you're not aware of. You're going to talk about an important element of care. That's going to happen next week. So there's a little teaser for you. But there's also different kinds of care. One way that we care about this is by knowing ourselves well enough to know how we're gifted so that we don't end up going off the end here. And, and, and one of the ways that we can care for ourselves is actually recognizing that sometimes we live and try gifts that may not actually be where we're gifted at. 
I can tell you, again, from 20-some years of doing church ministry, I've met so many people who have tried to use a gift, and it wasn't really where they were gifted, and it didn't work out. And so they just concluded that, well, I must not, I probably shouldn't serve because I'm not gifted. No, it's like, this is like dating. How, How many of you, anybody who's married, how many of you married the first person you dated? I mean... Oh, yeah, okay, Dan, good job. Man, that's good. That's good. That would save a lot of trouble. Good job. There's one. For the rest of us, you date lots of people. Guys, you try different gifts. It takes exploring. It's like jumping into a swimming pool and you're like, oh, that's a little cold for me. You get out, the worst thing you can do is just sit on the edge of the swimming pool and never swim again. No, you dive back in. It might be warmer the next day until you find where it is that you're gifted. It's going to take effort. It's going to take time. It's going to take creativity. I want to give you guys an example here, uh, wrapping up. I want to give you an example of somebody who did this, who's, who's just now learning, who's just starting on this journey, just going up the bell curve. But she's jumping in, and she, she had heard us for uh, weeks talking about how we want to be involved in the community and the things that Ascent is hoping to do over this next kind of year and a half, two years. And she wasn't understanding how she could be involved. And I, and I want to introduce you to her. Her name's Sheridan, and she's new to Ascent, and here's her story. I'm Sheridan Boudin. I'm married to Todd Boudin, and we have two beautiful children. I heard Jim talk probably four or five weeks ago about how important it is that women are involved in the church in leadership positions. And I didn't think I was gonna be in a leadership position. I just was sitting there thinking, how can I help? I'm hearing all these great things that they're doing and the call for help. And I'm like, how do I find this stuff? And I couldn't find it. And then I went to Twitter and I'm like, maybe they tweet about it. (laughs) I couldn't find it. And then I was like, oh my gosh, I can actually help. So I'm in brand management. I've led campaigns for brands in this country. I can actually actually do something. I can do something to help. I love my job, but maybe I can put my job to good use in, with Ascent. So I wrote to Jim. I wrote him a really long email, and I think he might have thought I was crazy because I wrote him an email and I was just like, Hey, I'm, I work in brand management. I work for a large consumer packaged goods company. I love communications. That's my, the thing that I've done my whole career. Um, is there any way I can help you? Because I can't tell if you actually like social media or like communicating because it doesn't seem like you are. Um, and the email that I got back was, That's awesome, Sheridan. I'm so glad that you want to be involved in a set. And yeah, let's talk. Let's figure out a way for you to get involved. I was number one shocked that he even wrote back because I didn't, I've literally never, ever, ever volunteered to help in a church. I've volunteered, you know, I've gone on missions, but never like actually help help in the church. I didn't know if I was gonna hear back. I wasn't sure if he was gonna think I was crazy. 
And now I'm helping with communication. So I actually feel lucky that I can do something that I love and give back to the community that I am starting to really love and that maybe I can make a difference, you know, here. I feel everyone has that in them. I feel everyone has that innate ability to figure out what they love and do it. And so maybe they can do it here, which would be so cool. Like if everyone in the church was like, what am I really good at? Or what do I really love? What if you really love making pies? right? Make pies. Like my kids freaking love pies. If there's something people are passionate about, it seems like the way the church is going and how involved we're going to be in the community, that everyone's going to be able to figure out what their passion is and really lean into that, which is really cool. I would absolutely encourage other people to figure out what truly makes you happy. What makes you shine when you get up in the morning? If you could do anything, what would it be? Is it cook? Is it um, be on social media? Um, because <laughs> we now know that we could use some help with social media. Is it, you know, what really drives you at your core and makes you happy? And then I feel like there's gonna be something you can do to volunteer to tap into that love that you have innately in you. Uh, what's so cool about Sheridan is she identified her passion, what she's gifted at, and she found a need. And when you have a passion and you match it with a need, right, you've, you've found your spot. you found your spot, and that's going to take time. But I can tell you what, it, it, when you find this and they match up in a line, you'll never sit down here. There'll just be this overwhelming energy that I believe is absolutely from God that will lead you on this route. It, it's not going to be a straight up arrow. It'll probably look like the stock market, right? But eventually we're moving in that direction because God, guys, God... God delights nothing more than to see people be used in his hands to do what he wants to do in the world. And man, I, I, it's, I'm so pumped to be looking at a group of people that are unbelievably gifted that I know God is going to use. So God, thank you for just the idea that you actually care enough to want to use us. You wouldn't need to, but you do that your plan for blessing this community and really all over the globe is uh, no further away than just looking at the person in the next seat over from us. Amazing, God, that that's your plan. So I pray, God, and we pray together that you would use this church, uh, help speak to us individually, help heal some of the old wounds that some of us have, help remove the words I used to, and help move us into a space where we are flying high because your spirit has energized us because there's an intersection between our passion and our gifts and the need. And God, I know that you want that. So Lord, let it, let it be to the end that people would know you and love you more, not for, not for the sake of our personal glory or the, <laughs> the glory of the church, anything like that. I just get us out of the way and help Jesus be known in this community. 
because of this. So, so God, we love you, and we thank you, and we trust you. And everybody prayed together and said, amen. Amen. amen.